You know, I, I love to travel, but I'm not a good traveler. Uh, you know, this summer we, Gail and I celebrated our 40th anniversary, and we were going to travel. Uh, our first idea was we were going to travel all over the country, take 16 days, travel all over the country, and come back. Well, we went to a family reunion in Arkansas, and about an eight-hour drive, and got back, and we were both so sore. We said, you know what, I don't know if this is such a good idea. And so that's why we changed our mind and went to Mexico to an all-inclusive resort instead. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love to travel, but I just don't like the trip. You know, in the early 90s, when Russia had opened up a little bit to the world, uh, you know, Craig and I made that first journey to Moscow, 5,600 miles. And then, uh, you know, Gary and Michelle are in, uh, in uh, Bangkok, Thailand. And that trip's 8,915 miles. And, uh, uh, you know, I just hated getting things together for the trip. It was hard to get packed. Uh, just getting packed was enough. You know, getting ready to make a two- or three-week trip, and that was a challenge for me. I would have two huge suitcases back in the 90s when I went to Russia. These two huge suitcases before luggage was such an issue, you could carry two 70-pound bags with you. And and I had two 70-pound bags when I went. Now, Craig Hines, when he went with me, he could carry a backpack for two weeks and no problems. Of course, I kept seeing him looking in my my stuff towards the end of the trip. But, but you know, he didn't have any problem with that. But, you know, the longest journey that I've ever made was about... A foot and a half, 18 inches from my head to my heart. That's been the hardest journey. And and for whatever reason, that journey has been challenging. That journey for me from the head to the heart. Now, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, there's a difference between knowing something and knowing something. In the New Testament, the language we have there for the Greek language, and, and there are two words in the Greek language for knowing the, the first word is oida. Oida means it, it, it has to do with factual knowledge, a depth of knowledge. It means that we have an understanding around information. It's mostly related to what we have in our, in our heads. We know a particular thing. It's head knowledge. The second Greek word in the New Testament is gnosko. Now, gnosko Uh, The word gnosko means a depth or insight, a perception about knowing that we have. It's a deeper knowledge of something. It is knowledge that is experienced. In other words, it's not just knowing head, it's knowing heart. And so, we looked at that. And there's a significant difference between the two things that make it, you know, that making a journey from our head to our heart and knowing something to be true, but knowing it in our heart that something's true. And I heard a story one time about a preacher who lived in Florida. He lived on the, you know, in the area there where they had all these canals and, and these boaters would go down these canals. And, and one day he was sitting in his, he was sitting in his office and he heard a commotion outside. He went outside and there was all these people gathered around. And what had happened, one of these speedboats had crashed into a bridge pylon there in one of these canals. And so he goes out to look. He's standing there. People gathered around. Paramedics got there. They were working on one of the guys and, and, uh, and, and the other guy was was laying there they pronounced him dead he was dead on the scene and and so the other guy they were working on him and this preacher was standing there beside this guy and they were talking 
And he said they were talking about what a tragedy it was that this accident had happened and that guy had died and the other guy was being worked on. They, they, they had the mask on his face and they were, they were, you know, giving him oxygen and all these different things and, and, and they were standing there talking about what a tragedy it was. And the preacher said, in just a moment they removed the mask from the guy's face and the guy standing beside him got to see for the first time who it was laying there on the ground and realized that it was his brother, his literal, physical brother. He said there was such a transformation that took place. They had been standing there talking about what a tragedy it was, but at that moment, the guy began saying, Preacher, that's my brother. Preacher, you know, somebody do something. That, somebody needs to do something. Preacher, pray for him. And he said, what a transformation there was. What had happened was, while they were standing there, they had that head knowledge. They had that, that first part, that, that oida, oika, I'm sorry, oida. And, 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 but they didn't have the ganasco knowledge. That head knowledge, but he didn't have it in his heart. But once it got into his heart, it, it transformed this guy. You know, we've had lots of losses here among us. Some old, some young, some expected, some total surprises. There was a difference between knowing and knowing in that journey in grief. There's a difference in reading an announcement in the in the bulletin or, or when your heart feels, you know, like it's being ripped out of your chest. You know the difference, don't you? You, you know knowing and knowing. Jesus invites us on this journey. He makes a, a bold promise in Matthew Chapter 16 and verse 18. He makes this promise. He says in Matthew 16, 18, he says, I will. Something he's going to do in the future. Doesn't happen yet, but it's coming. I will build, he says. There's an active component. There's a sense that it's going, it, it, you know, it's a going thing, that it's not just a one-time thing, that it's, a, it's an active thing. I will build my church. It is his church. Not my church or your church, it's his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, it will prevail, it will survive, it will be strong, something that isn't going to, to go away. Upon this rock I will build my church. Now I know we live in a culture today where we think the church is declining. You look at the church in America. Jesus says it will remain. And one of the ways I believe it will remain is that you and I get a better understanding on this journey of moving towards the two things which Jesus says matters the most, and that is loving God and loving our neighbors. I believe there's a difference between the two. And not just knowing that we're trying to help you know that, but knowing with your heart, love where you live. That's what we're going to be talking about. We want to help you know that, to experience that, to take some steps towards that, to begin that journey. Because I think God is up to something right here and now, and, 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 and it has to do with His kingdom. And it's not just happening here, but it's happening around the globe as people are trying to get serious about two things. Loving God and loving our neighbors, our actual neighbors. And maybe the way the church will thrive and survive in our culture won't happen from an institutional perspective. But it's going to happen when we love God and when we love our neighbor. And as, as I become the church, and not just 
go to church. And this journey from our head to our heart takes some simple steps. And the hardest step, sometimes it's the first step. They say the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And that first step is the hardest step to take. You, you may be, you know, you may have heard the old African proverb. The old African proverb says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And we want to go together on this. That, that, that's why we're doing this little series that we're going to do in the remainder of the time that I'm going to be with you to challenge us to do the neighboring experience. We're going to be trying to give some practical steps as we journey together. You know, you might get together with your friend, do it in a small group. Maybe even, you know, get a, grab a couple of neighbors from the neighborhood and get together and have a Bible study because we want to go far with this. We believe that this is what God has has leading us to and invites us to do. That God is up to something. That God is blowing His fresh wind into our hearts and, and our lives about getting simpler and getting better at these two things that, again, that matters most. That of getting to know head, to do that, but to know it in the heart as well. To make this journey from the head to the heart, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And those early followers were invited to know that. these that, that, when, when, in, in the book of Acts, if you look at the book of Acts, the history of the first church, you'll see that in the beginning, when they got this idea from head to heart, that the church just exploded. We know that from the book of Acts, and we, we know from historians that something dramatic happened, and, and the church exploded. You know what these early believers, these early followers of Jesus were called? Now, the book of Acts eleven twenty six. you know, that it says that they were called Christians first at Antioch. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, that's not what they called themselves. That's actually, historians tell us that that was a word that was given in derision those Christ followers, that it was, they, they were called Christians. The historians tell us that it wasn't used in a nice term. It was a mocking term, a, a derisive term. Now, I don't know about that. But that's not what these earlier followers called themselves. These earlier believers called themselves a different way, a, a different name. Here's what that was. Acts chapter 9 and verse 2, it says, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. That's talking about Paul. Paul was going out to persecute the church. He was looking for people that were following the way. All right, Acts 19.9. He says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Acts 9.23. About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. Acts 22 and verse 14. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way. Which they call a sect. Then in Acts 22, 
or 24 and verse 22, it says, Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. The earlier followers of Jesus referred to themselves and called themselves the way. And the way wasn't some route. It wasn't some road that they were on. It wasn't some travel map they possessed. It was the one who they were following. Those early Christians were called people of the way. And the way wasn't a path to follow. It wasn't a pattern to follow. It wasn't so much of what as it was a who. It was Jesus Christ. Now here's what Jesus said that's incredible. And it's an incredibly remarkable, radical statement for his day. Almost kind of what you would, you'd be considered one of those off-the-wall remarks. If you had your Bibles, find John chapter 14. Now, John chapter 14 gives us this remark that, that he makes. Now, we're going to look at this verse in a couple of different ways. But it says, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, here's why Jesus' statement would have been considered so bizarre to them in that first century. This off-the-wall remark, this radical statement. You know, we don't read it that way. Oftentimes, we don't consider it that way. We say, well, you know, he's just telling us this. But, but it's such a big deal what Jesus had to say. Remember who he's speaking with. He's speaking to the Jews. He's primarily a Jewish audience. So those men and women who would have been standing there with him when he made this statement, it would have been such a radical statement that he's making there with this. They would have remembered from the time that they were little, from, from the first words that they would have ever heard, from the time they were toddlers on. They would have learned the components of the promises of God. They would have studied what the Old Testament calls, particularly what they would have called the, the Torah. Now, the Torah was the law. It was the first five books of the Old Testament. We call it the Pentateuch. In the Pentateuch, that would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the Pentateuch. And, and it was called the Torah. The classic Jews would have referred to the Torah, now get this, as the way. The way in which you connect with God. It was the way in which you find the good life. It would have been, they would have understood the way as, as what came from God, from His commandments and from His promises. The Pentateuch, the Torah would have been, in their consideration, they would have referred to it as the way. And now we have Jesus saying, I am the way. I'm not talking about the way. I, I'm not teaching on the way. I'm not pointing you towards the way. I'm not expounding on the way. I am the way. It's not a signpost on the way. I am the destination. And that would have been a phenomenally, phenomenally disruptive in their thinking of him. There would have been this huge disconnect from them because everything they knew about the way was that God had given. That now Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now he would have gotten their attention immediately by that statement. Today, you know, it's popular, isn't it? 
Oh, we want to know God. You could, you could know God. The only thing is that today it's popular to say, well, you know, you want to know God. There's all kinds of paths to get to God. Any path will take you up the mountain is okay. Any path you can go up the mountain, that's all right. They all get to God. You know, I was, saw a thing, Oprah, you know, a couple of years ago. She was on a, doing some thing on TV. She's talking about, oh, you know, your journey to God is just, everybody's got their own journey. And long as you're going towards God, it doesn't matter. Everybody, you know, you know, I'm going down this trail. You go down that trail. We all go down a different trail. But we're all going the same direction. We're going up the mountain to meet God. But here's where Jesus' statement is radically different. Here's where Christianity sets itself apart from any other religion in the world. Jesus said, I am the only way to God. He stops them right there. He says, listen, no, there's not a bunch of different paths up the hill. I am the way. I am it. There's only one path to be on, and I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody, nobody gets to the Father except through me. And that was so disruptive in Jesus' day. And if really, if you point that out to a denominational world today, it's disruptive today. There may be, you know, today there may be over a thousand different ways to find Jesus. You know, maybe a friend shared him. Maybe a book you read. Maybe you heard some sermon somewhere. Maybe listened to a Christian music somehow got you there. There, there might have been a lot of ways that we discover a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus says there's only way to get to, only one way to get to God. And the only way to get to God is through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, it is exclusive. But it is inclusively exclusive because Jesus invites every one of us, all of humanity, regardless of your ethnic background, regardless of our opinions, our backgrounds, regardless of our stuff. Every one of us has this invitation to us to have a relationship with God. And it happens, Jesus says, through him and a relationship with him, there is only one way. Now, let's look back in John chapter 14. Verse 6 and 7. Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen me and have seen him. Now, here's what he's saying. If you really knew me, not just information, not just a set of facts. Jesus is saying, if you knew me, if you had a depth of insight, if you had knowledge that is experienced, if you know me, you would, you would have known Oida, the Father. You would have gained information about him. But here's what he's now saying. And I'm going to invite you on a journey, this long journey from your head to your heart. Because if you know me, then you could also know the Father. You hear what he's saying? Not just head knowledge, but also a heart knowledge. You can really know the Father. Now let's, let's just put it in context. What is Jesus responding to? 
He is inviting them on this journey, and his journey was was getting a kick, you know, getting a kickoff right here in John chapter fourteen, and, and, and he's he's beginning to kind of pull the covers back a little bit to reveal what's going to come. You remember. They had been, what, on this three-year camping trip with Jesus. They've been traveling, and Jesus has been teaching them all these, all this information over these three years. They had seen him, experienced things with him. Now it's about to get a phenomenal disruption to them. In the coming weeks and months, their world is going to be turned upside down. In John 14, 1 through 4, he says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. Then he says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. And you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus is saying there's something that's going to happen here. And this is, and there's a, a bigger picture, a bigger story that God is writing than what you know right now. And He's going to invite you into that story. But it's going to be a journey that's going to have to take place from your head to your heart. And I love Thomas in, in the Bible. Thomas is, you know, we call him down in time. I think we give him a harder time than what we should. But, but Thomas is the guy who comes up with the questions of, uh, he comes up with the questions of all the, you know, yeah, but kind of things. I mean, listen to him. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know. Now, he's talking about Oida, where we are going. So how can we know the way? And it's here where Jesus says, I am the way. And you could gnosko. You could know that. And then it happens, didn't it? Not long after that, Jesus gets arrested. He gets turned, their world gets turned upside down. He's put on trial. He's taken out on a hillside. He's put to death. The whole world, everything they knew had knowledge. Everything they knew came undone they had experienced that there was this kingdom coming they had expected that jesus somehow was going to restore peace rome was going to be overthrown that they were going to be you know maybe in charge of public works and 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 transportation during that time that they were going to have all these different uh appointments and stuff like that so everything they knew was gone and then Sunday comes, and you have the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they went from head to heart. Now they knew what he meant. Now they knew what he was saying. Now they knew the one who'd conquered death, the resurrected, the redeeming Savior, the one who wanted to fix the hole in their hearts. And, and, and they burst out at the scene. And... Not many days later, the church came in, and it exploded. And because they now knew here, they got better at the two things Jesus said mattered most. Mark 12, again, if you have your Bibles, turn there, down in verse 28 through 33. You know, 
The question is, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And in answer to Jesus, it's this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. And then he goes on. He says, he says, to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor yourself is more important than all burnt offering and sacrifice. Now, here's what he's saying back to Jesus. You're right, Jesus. Yeah, but you're exactly right in what you're saying here. You are exactly right. We know. We know all the things we do, our religious duty, show up at the synagogue, study the Torah, the way, pay attention to the sacrifices, bringing our offerings, doing good to people around. All those things pale in comparison with doing two things, loving God and loving your neighbor. And listen to what Jesus says to him. When Jesus saw that he'd answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. We talked about this last week. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? You are not far from knowing. You're not far. You're close. You get this God and love your neighbor thing down. And Matthew actually records the same scene to us. He, he tells us the same thing. He tells us that Jesus also said, he said that all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Isn't that interesting? Everything that you've studied all these years, everything that you know about God, everything you know about everything you think you know, hangs on these two things. Every promise He's given, every commandment He's spoken, all things Jesus has said hang on these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. In other words, if you're going to hinge your door of your life and have it swing freely, hinge it on these two things. Whatever the door of your life represents, your job, your relationship, your struggles, the good, bad, and ugly of your door. If you wanted to swing more freely, Jesus says, hang it on these two things. Love God and love your neighbor. And you will make this journey from the head to the heart. You will know. And you'll not be far from the kingdom of God. That's why we're inviting you on this journey. We want to move past this talking about it and getting the head part of it down. You know, you can probably quote it. The whole love where you live is about experiencing this, a gain of depth and insight. Because there's a cause and effect in play here. I can love God. Why? Well, because He loved me. God wants to fix the hole in my heart. He wants to redeem me. He wants to restore me. He wants to bring me back in a relationship with Him where I find peace and grace. And I get settled. You remember the first time you heard about God's love for you? And, and, and you heard the story of Jesus. And, and you, you discovered not only Jesus, but you discovered your relationship with God. That it's broken because you have sin. And Jesus has given you a way out. And, and you responded to that. And you obeyed the gospel. Maybe for some here, maybe, maybe some have heard it for the first time. 
That God loves you no matter where you've been. No matter what you've done. No matter how much you have yourself convinced that He can't love you because of whatever it is you think you've done. God loves you. You feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel right now. Nobody loves you. Hear this. God loves you. Some of you are in the middle of some tough stuff. Toughest stuff you face. And and do you hear him saying to you, I I love you. Challenges we've got going on. We feel unloved. God is saying to you and to me, I love you. And if he loves us, here's what Jesus is saying. Then he invites us to love him back, to love him back and to love others as an expression of that love. For us to love God and love our neighbors. And that's the knowing that we want to happen. To move from the head to the heart. Now that's a journey we want to take. And every journey starts with a single step. And so we want to invite you to take some simple steps of loving your neighbor. Starting next week, I'm going to give you some very practical things you can do. During the next few weeks, we're going to look at some simple suggestions. Some really simple steps. Of loving your neighbor. To move from Oida to Gnusko. So here's what we'd like for you to do. Here's what I want you to do this morning. Now usually, we ask you to put your phones up. But grab your phones. And I'm going to give you a number up there. And I want you to text. And I want you to text a name. Maybe, maybe one of your neighbors... Just the first name. You don't have to put their full name. Text the name of your neighbor. Because, you know, we want to pray with you on this journey. We, we want to do this together. We want to go so far in this. We want to go. We, 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 we don't want to go so fast. We want to go the long round. And so we're going to do this together. We want to pray about you and those names right now. If you would, just text the name of a person that you want prayed about. For you, with you, a neighbor that you want to love. And it takes that number right now, 270-619-0914. Text that name. Because Jesus said, if you want to know the way, I am the way. And he's invited us to follow his way, to love God and to love our neighbors. And so we're going to begin really getting personal about this and reaching out to our neighbors. And the first way to, to, to reach out to our neighbors, to be very practical about it, is to, 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 to recognize who that neighbor is. You know, everybody, I say, say about responsibilities at church, I tell the elders all the time, I say, listen, you know, Everybody's business is nobody's business. It, it needs to be, you need to get down to the personal with it. Not just people in my neighborhood, name them. And so by texting this, again, text it, 270-619-0914. I'm going to make a list of these names. You, all you do, give, you give the first name. And I'm going to promise you that every day this week I will pray over those names. Next week we're going to look at some more practical things. We're going we're gonna to look at some ways that we can love people on a practical level. Matter of fact, I've got a video I'm going to show you next week. Super cool about a guy from Nashville, Tennessee, a member of the church in Nashville, Tennessee. And I want to share that with you. But we're going to get practical about this. Some of you are sending them, and that's good. My wife sent one, and so several of you others have sent one. But uh, uh, 
we're going to look at these people's names. I, I promise you, I will pray for these people this week. And I may make a list and hand them to the elders and, and let them do the same thing. And, and we'll be praying for it. And you need to be praying for these people practically. Jesus said, I am the way. And again, these Jews, now we, we, we don't get it like they did. But they knew when they were growing up, they, they had studied the way all their life. They knew what the way was. The way was God's word, God's law, God, the things that God wanted us. And Jesus said, I'm going to let you know something real quick. I am the way. Yeah, you've had the head knowledge. You, you could quote it. Matter of fact, to, to be a good Jew, actually, uh, you know, by the time you were 12 years old, you were supposed to have memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. Can you imagine doing that today? Especially when you get down to Leviticus. Oh, my goodness. They memorized it. They knew the Torah. They would study it. They would put it on their doorpost. They would put it on their frontals, their forehead. They would do all these different things. They had the head knowledge. Jesus said, but I want you to know, not Oika, but Gnosko. I want you to know in your heart. Really know. Not just have the knowledge, but really know. Well, this morning, that's what we want. We want. We want to know Jesus on a very personal level. Jesus said, I am the way. You want to get to God? He says, it's only through me. you got to come to him. If you believe in Christ, willing to turn from your sins, confess your faith, be baptized for the remission of your sins, be added to the body of Christ, you, you, can, you can know that. You can know him on a very personal level. Not, not about him. You can get to heaven. You, you can know the way, but not just, you know, not just a, a, a map of the way. You can know the way, the person of the way. That's Jesus Christ. And if we can help you do that today, maybe you need the prayers of the church. We want to help you. Again, send those names. And let's start praying. And let's do something about it. And if we can help you this morning, you need to start with yourself first. If we can help you, we want to encourage you as we stand and we offer the invitation.